Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time to break down some of our favorite and our least favorite bets for the Week 8 NFL slate. With me to do it all is Ian McMillan, a writer for OddsShark.com. Ian runs the gamut over there in terms of his coverage way beyond just the NFL. You can find him on Twitter at IanMacOS, and I'm going to spell that for you because you will never get it right. I-A-I-N-M-A-C-O-S. He can explain that if you'd like. Ian, thank you for joining me today. How's it going? It's going well, Dan. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be back. I believe it was week one there, the first time I was on. Hopefully, I can do a little bit better. I think I was one for two with my side bets there uh, that week, so... I'm going to go perfect sweep, sweep this week. I can almost guarantee it. I love the confidence, and we really need it because last week was a complete disaster for us. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I missed. I'm just going to put it out there because sometimes I sweep. Sometimes it's great. Last week was terrible for me. I missed on all three of my picks with the Bears and Saints under 38 and a half, the 49ers laying nine to the Redskins, although, to be fair, that pushed, and the Bills and the Dolphins under 40 and a half. Now, I did hit on the top prop which was Leonard Fournette over 124 yards rushing at plus 250. So hopefully that made up for it a bit. Our guest, meanwhile, Matt Peralt, was not much better. He missed on both the Eagles plus 2.5 against the Cowboys and the Jets getting 9.5 from the Patriots. He did hit in the Colts laying one to the Texans. And that was after, again, a near-perfect week the week before. So let's just jump back on the horse and get this nonsense straightened out. It sounds like you're ready to go, so... We're going to get right into it, okay? As always, we're going to get started with pick six, where both Ian and I are going to give three of our favorite bets for this weekend, either against the spread or on the over-under. And as always, I'm going to note that we're recording this on Thursday night, so we will not be making any picks on the Vikings-Redskins game. But if you want to see how I pick that game, you can go to bettingpros.com. That's going to show you how I and every single betting expert who makes picks on the site made their picks for that and every game. We are also going to be using the bettingpros.com consensus odds in making our picks. Those are the aggregate odds that you're going to find available in the market, so they're constantly shifting depending on where things are at the various sportsbooks. All right, Ian, let's go. Start us off with your first pick here. Okay, my first pick, my favorite pick for the week, I'm going to take the Eagles plus 1.5 over the Bills. Uh, so I believe I actually mentioned this the first time I was on right before week one of the season that Buffalo Bills were actually my pick for being the most like the most surprising team this season, and they've actually proven that they are. But I do think they are being a little bit overvalued in the spot. I do think they're going to make playoffs. I think they're going to be a wildcard team, but they're going up against an Eagles team that's on the other side of things where they're undervalued, especially after that ugly performance against the Cowboys there on Sunday night. We need to judge teams based on talent, and you need to not let recent games affect you. The weird thing about betting on the NFL that not a lot of people really talk about or mention is that the sample size is so small. In like the MLB season, I would never place a bet until at least 10, 15 games into the season. And the NFL, we get 16 games total before the playoffs. So it's a small sample size, so you can't let recent uh, games affect your bias. So that's what I'm doing here. The Eagles are the more talented and skilled team over the Bills, in my opinion. Don't forget they had a road win against the Packers this season, so they do know how to win on the road. So... I like the Eagles, especially as a slight underdog in the spot. So give me them plus 1.5 in Buffalo. 
Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I consider taking this game as well. As always, you guys know, I have our guest email me their picks shortly before we go on so I don't steal anything from them accidentally. This one was definitely under consideration for me. One of the things that kind of stuck out to me is that the one and a half point spread, you know, given the fact that, I mean, I guess the Bills didn't look you know, that great this weekend against uh, Miami, but, you know, they certainly did what they needed to do. And the Eagles looked absolutely horrendous, right, against Dallas. The line did not move. Usually after something like that, like with the Jaguar, and the Jets, where the Jets immediately lost a point and a half on the spread and where the Patriots moved up about three points on the spread, you know, given what the public's going to react to it, the Eagles and the Bills didn't move. They were at one and a half before that game. They were at one and a half after that game. So that is a sign to me that in the end, you know, at least the odds makers are probably feeling relatively bullish on where they mark the Eagles going in. And when you look at the Bills, I too, in the preseason, as I remind Jason Logan, whenever he comes back on this podcast, I like them over, I believe it was six and a half wins. I felt pretty good about them, especially, but that was a lot of it because of their schedule. And when you look at who they've played, they played the Jets, they played the Giants, they played the Bengals, they played the Dolphins. It's not exactly a murderer's row here. So I am inclined to go with you. Um, I'm a little glad that you took it, so I didn't have to because I feel just a little skittish. It doesn't look like Deshaun Jackson is coming back. The Eagles just look like they are in disarray. But the big thing about the Eagles, for me at least, was they can really stop the run, right? That's the one thing that they have been able to do well consistently this whole season. They really struggle in the secondary, but that's not exactly where Josh Allen and his you know wildly inaccurate accurate arm is really going to make his mark. So I, I'm certainly inclined to agree with you. Yeah, exactly. Those are great points you made, and especially with the strength of schedule, that was one thing uh, I didn't mention there, is that the wins this season have come against teams that are combined, I believe, 6-27, and 27, if my math is right. So because of that, I think they're being a little bit overvalued. And like you said, Eagles run defense is definitely their strength. Yeah. Now, I mean, I do get a little nervous betting against teams in Buffalo. I mean, it's not the weather isn't a factor yet, but I did go to school there and they are insane because that's pretty much all they have there. But still, I agree with you. I'm on board. I'm glad I didn't have to take it, though, because I felt a little squishy about it. But I'll back you there with the Eagles getting one and a half for my first pick. I'm going to take the Panthers getting six from the 49ers. I talked about this a bit with Alex Kaloje when we were talking, uh, when we were taking a look at the opening lines on Monday. And six struck us as a little bit too high. Now, it had dropping to about five right about when we were about to record. Um, and for that, I got a little iffy on it. But it's back up to six. And I feel pretty good about it. The Panthers, to me, are just a very, very good football team. They've won four straight, and they're coming off a bye here. And I think with this offense, we kind of forgot how good it can be when Norv Turner came on board. Remember, they were 6-2 and two last year before Cam Newton got hurt, and he was having a very solid year with an excellent completion percentage before the injury. Then he just couldn't throw to finish last year. He couldn't throw to start this year. So obviously things look stagnant. But now you've got Kyle Allen in there and he's not a superstar by any means, but he is a capable quarterback who can move the ball, complete shorter passes. And that's really all they need with extra time to prepare coming off the bye. The extra time also gets them healthier here. I mean, it sounds like Turner's going to be back from his ankle injury on their offensive line, which should be a boost. The secondary looks like they'll get back Dante Jackson. And they've had a great pass defense all year anyway. James Bradbury has played extremely well. Ross Cockrell has picked it up of late. So it used to be like you couldn't, you didn't want to pass on them. You'd attack them on the ground. But they've cleaned that up a little bit over recent weeks. They're able to get pressure. And I think in this matchup particularly that's important because the 49ers are pretty beat up on their offensive line. And when you look at the 49ers, who are, of course, undefeated, for the most part, they have not been great offensively, especially lately. I mean, they've been winning with their defense. You want to throw out last week because it was in the monsoon against the Redskins. I'm fine with that. But they didn't put up a ton of points the week before that against the Rams. It's mostly just the defense. Now they've added Emmanuel Sanders. That's fine. But, even, I mean, he's going to play, but he's not going to be able to 
you know, play the whole game. He doesn't know the playbook yet. They're down Debo Samuel, probably. Marquise Goodwin is dealing with a concussion. And, you know, again, they've been winning. But that injury to Kyle Juszczyk, when you look at their running game, how they've been, it has really impacted it. The fact that they're winning kind of masks all that. So even though the volume is still there with the running backs, I mean, Tevin Coleman in particular is getting a lot of carries. It's not a great yard per carry average. They're not moving the ball all that well. In the end, this just strikes me as a really, really close game with the Panthers coming off a bye. Again, if it was four, four and a half, which is where it looked like it had been moving, at the time that we recorded on Monday. I was a little iffy on it, but at six, I'm going to take that. Yeah, I love that pick a lot. I mean, the 49ers, week in and week out, I've just, I'm not a huge believer in them. Uh, like you kind of mentioned, their offense has slowed down a little bit. It seems to me like every time they play a team, that team doesn't play well. Now, is is that because the other team's not playing well, or is that because their defense is that good that it makes it seem like the other team's not playing well? Um, but I'm still on that point where I'm just going to, I'm going to bet against the 49ers because I just don't think they are as good as the record shows. So I like that pick. I don't want to take too much away from them because I do like them. I, I really do. I do think the use check injury really, really hampers their running game. And again, we, you know, they have looked good, but their schedule, you know, the Bucks are certainly not impressive. The Bengals are terrible. The Steelers were dealing with, you know, a rookie quarterback with Mason Rudolph. The Browns are a disaster. The Rams were missing Todd Gurley, I believe, in that game. And their offensive line is terrible. And then the Redskins. So it's not this murderer's row that they've gone through a little bit like we're talking about with the Bills. So for me, I'm willing to take the value here because I've really much more been impressed with Carolina. All right, let's move on to your second pick. What do you got? Okay, so for my second pick, I'm going to take a total play. I'm going to be taking the under 41 in the Jets and Jaguars game. Uh, the first major point that's the most obvious, the Jets uh, are brutal on offense. They are tied uh, with the Dolphins for the lowest scoring team in the league, only getting 10.5 points per game. Now, I do recognize that Falk was their quarterback there for most of their games so far this season, but, I mean, we just saw what happened with Sam Darnold there on Monday night. He's seeing ghosts, so I don't... By the way, I mean, he, he has to do something with Ghostbusters for Halloween, right? I mean, that <laughs> it, that that is a guarantee, right? He should go as the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man or something like that. Just, just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like if he actually makes like a self-deprecating joke about it, then people will stop kind of making fun of him for it i do want to pass i do want to point out just because i'm a jets fan and you know i've got it he actually gave a great press conference today where he fully owned it he totally took it took it so I, it makes me a little happy anyway go ahead i'm sorry keep going yeah and, and i mean not even to get too sidetracked on it but really i don't think it's that big of a deal that he said it he's going up against one of the or the best defense in the league on primetime football i mean that kind of stuff just happens for a young quarterback but yeah completely agree so under 41 with the Jets and Jaguars, Jets are only scoring 10.5 points per game. And if you've watched Jaguars games, I mean, they're they're not too much better as far as points per game. I think they're 20th in the league at 20.6 points per game. But they're not really like this air raid offense. Gardner Minshew's like he's a real game manager. They slow the game down. They've been feeding Leonard Fournette quite a bit, which, of course, you know, if they run the ball, that keeps the clock moving. Uh, the quicker the clock moves, the less opportunity there are for points scored, and that's uh, when unders usually hit. Um, and Jaguars are eighth in time of possession as well, so that kind of proves that fact. And between the two teams for their average combined scores, the Jets are averaging combined score in their games at 36.5. Jaguars at 41.71 combined points per game. So both teams would have to have an above average mark uh, compared to the rest of their games this season for, for that total to go over. So I like the under 41 there. I'm just kind of a, I like unders in general. I pretty rarely bet overs in the NFL just because I think, uh, books kind of entice you to take overs because they're funner to bet. So I just kind of like to go on the opposite side of that. I like taking under. So this is my favorite under spot for the week uh, with the Jets and Jags. 
Yeah, that is a great point that, I mean, lines are designed because they know that the public loves overs. Who wants to bet an under? That's so boring that you're rooting against score, right? Exactly. So I, I agree. Generally speaking, I like to bet the under um, when I can. I agree with you here also. I mean, I, I don't feel overly strongly. I kind of like the Jets getting six, but I'm not going to, that's not one of my picks or anything like that. I do expect this to be a relatively close uh, scoring game. The Jets, look, I mean, C.J. Mosley may probably, you know, re-injured his, his groin. Um, I don't know if he's going to play here, but either way, even without him, the Jets are pretty solid against the run. That's the one thing that they've, they've been able to do well this year on defense. And with that, you know, the Jaguars, they want to rely on Fournette. Minshew Magic, I mean, it's fading a little bit. I mean, I you know, DJ Chark has been good. D.D. Westbrook's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I think he's going to play, but, you know, it's not as if they have this explosive passing game, which is really, in the end, where you're able to attack the Jets. As for the Jets, they're not going to look as inept offensively as they looked against the Patriots. Hopefully, you know, the offensive line coach is either fired or they understand that sometimes you have to shift protection. I do expect a little bit of a bounce back here. But again, you know, they're in sell mode. They're, they're, they've got Robbie Anderson on the trade block already. I don't expect this to be some sort of, you know, magical offensive game. The Jaguars are solid on defense as well. So overall, I agree with you here. I like the under. And it's not one of my picks. But if you're thinking about it, I will say that I personally do like the Jets a little bit getting six. I think that recency bias is something, especially with how terrible they looked. It was at four and a half before the game. I think people, you know, the line moves immediately after a game like that. But uh, in the end, I think there is value with the Jets of six. But I'm with you so far uh, together. Unfortunately, look, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, make you feel bad. But I was with Matt on all three of his picks last week. And he basically, he whiffed. So it might be the kiss of death for you here. All right. So on to my next pick, number two. I'm interested to see what you think about this one because I I could see you uh, not being fond of this. But I'm going to stick with the spreads here and I'm going to take the Chiefs getting three and a half at home against the Packers. This is another line that I liked uh, on Monday. It was at four, but as long as it's above the key number of three, I'm still on board with it. Now, the look-ahead line before the Mahomes injury was Chiefs by four. So this has swung more than a full touchdown, and it's crossed two key numbers here, right? I mean, it crossed from the Chiefs laying three to the Chiefs getting three. The public is probably going to go on the Packers here, which should immediately throw up some warning signs. We all know about Andy Reid's success off a bye. Now, he doesn't actually have a bye here, but he has the mini-bye with the third night game and look forget about Patrick Mahomes practicing so far he's not going to play this week he's definitely going to be out at least this week probably next week too but Matt Moore I mean he's not in the same conversation as Mahomes don't get me wrong but in terms of backup quarterbacks in the league and of course this comes from a guy who was watching Luke Falk be the backup quarterback for his team all season Matt Moore is one of the better um, backup quarterbacks in the league and he's got 10 days of full practice with the first team offense Mahomes is taking second team reps there's still Tyree Kill there's still Travis Kelsey it sounds like Sammy Watkins is going to come back the Chiefs are at home they're starting to get a little bit healthier and really when you look at it the Chiefs gave a pretty dominant defensive performance against the Broncos on Thursday night so you you might want to you know write that off and say well the Broncos stink, but really no other defense had shut them down like that, particularly not in Denver and particularly not on a short week. And you look at why the Broncos drove right down the field, right? On that first drive, they scored. They were shut down the entire rest of the game. And why is that? It looked, I mean, I was watching that closely. It looked like the Chiefs 
just got a little more aggressive. They started calling more blitzes, probably because they don't usually play as aggressively when they have Mahomes in there, because so long as they can just kind of hang around in there, they've got enough offense to win the game. But, you know, the blitzing, when they got more aggressive here because they needed to, because they figured it was going to be closer, it really worked for them. And I think they'll at least continue with a more aggressive approach, especially with Chris Jones practicing and looking likely to return. On the other side, the Packers are great, okay? But they're still going to be down Devontae Adams, I'm sure. I know right now he's, you know, 55 or whatever they're calling him, I highly doubt he's going to play. And this game against the Raiders, you know, a team with no defense whatsoever, was really the first time that they looked dominant offensively. And then, you know, the receivers were barely involved last week. Like, MVS caught two long passes, and that's it. It was mostly these passes to the running backs. Defensively, they're slipping a little bit. You can beat them on the ground. You've always been able to this year, but they're starting to be a little vulnerable a bit in the passing game. You saw that with Oakland, who could have put up a ton of points had Carr not fumbled through the end zone and had they not turned the ball over another time deep in the red zone. So for me, with Andy Reid having extra time to prepare, even with the backup quarterback, at home, anything above three here, I'm more than happy to take, so I will take it at three and a half. Yeah, I actually surprisingly do kind of like that pick, even though the public is actually all over Green Bay in this game. Uh, I'm not too sure what the consensus of it I don't have in front of me, but I do know that the Packers like are a very public team this week. And when I first looked at the board since the Mahomes injury, I do actually lean the Chiefs getting points in that game, especially because it's at home. Um, and I mean, like you said, Matt Moore, he's not a terrible backup quarterback. And he didn't, he didn't look so bad in that Broncos game when he just got thrown in there whenever it was, first quarter, second quarter, halfway through the game, whenever it was. Um, and like you said, a little bit of a of half a bye week almost uh, from Thursday night over to now. So he's going to have time to prepare. Andy Reid's good coaching in, in that situation. I, I like that pick. I don't hate it. I'm not going to play it myself, but I don't hate it. If I had to uh, make a play on that game, that that's probably the way I'd go, at least for a side. Now we're going to get to the player props here in a little bit, and that's kind of where my play for that game is going to be at. But I don't hate the Chiefs in that game. Sure. I Look, I will take I don't hate it. For sure, from, from anybody. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned how the consensus broke down. Right now, it's about 60-40 taking uh, the Packers over here. And the most accurate, you know, because that's one of the other things that we do at bettingpros.com. We, we show you how the consensus is going in terms of percentages. But then we also give you a separate uh, percentages based on how the most accurate experts are leaning. And it is 50-50, completely dead. And again, so it had moved to four. It's down to three and a half because I think people are coming in strong here. Um, at least, you know... It, probably more of the money as I'm looking at the breakdown. I mean, the public, you're right. They're always going to be on the Packers. But again, you know, the bookmakers know that. And I think they set the odds appropriately, understanding that a lot of the public is going to like the Packers at the number. So I will take, I don't hate it. Um, and uh, why don't we move on to number three for you? Okay, perfect. So my third uh, pick, I'm going to take the Broncos plus 5.5 versus the Colts, which is actually going against the public as well. I believe the Colts are a pretty public pick. The Colts are a team that I think is actually a little bit overvalued. This is kind of similar to my pick against the Bills. I think the Colts are being a little bit overvalued. Now, there's one stat that I absolutely love. Actually, everyone at Odd Shark loves it. Uh, one of my coworkers, Joe Osborne, has an article all about this stat, so head over to the website and check that out if you want. But the stat is net yards per play. So if you don't know what net yards per play, you take the number of yards gained on offense per play, subtract the amounts of uh, amount of yards given up per play on defense. So when you look at these two teams in that stat, the Broncos are around middle of the pack. I think they're 13th, 14th. Uh, their net yards per play is 0.1, so it is positive. But the Colts, despite their record, they are fourth last in the NFL in net yards per play at minus 0.9 yards per play. 
So that tells me that despite their record, they're not quite playing the best football right now. And I think the reason why they're still winning while giving up negative uh, 0.9 yards per play is because they aren't turning the ball over. I believe they only have six turnovers this season, which is near the top of the league uh, in that category. But in this spot, I think five five and a half points is a lot. I think the Broncos are a little bit better than what people think, and I think the Colts are worse than what people think based on, on, off what their record is right now. So that's going to be my third pick. I like uh, getting the points there with Denver. This is an interesting one. I, I'll be honest. I did not have a feel for it whatsoever. And in fact, you are. You're going against the expert consensus. About two-thirds of them are going with Indianapolis here, laying five and a half. Does it worry you at all with the trade of Emmanuel Sanders that the team is going to kind of mail it in? I mean, is it possible at this point? The trade deadline's coming up. It just, I mean, it was such a deflating loss to Kansas City after they had won two. Is there any chance that they're just going to come out there, you think, and lay an egg? Or do you not let that factor into your thinking when you're making your picks? I don't let that factor too much into my thinking. Um, there are in, in certain cases where I do. In this case, I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to remember these guys are still playing for their jobs and coaches are coaching you know, for their jobs, no matter if they have a chance to make a playoff run or, or not. In this case, the Broncos clearly don't. But at the end of the day, the players still need to perform because they're. It's basically, every single game is basically a job interview for players and coaches. So I don't put a whole lot of value in that. What I am a little bit worried about is now teams are going to be able to focus on Cortland Sutton a little bit more now without, uh, the, without Sanders there. So that does worry me a little bit. Um, but regardless, I still like the, the five and a half points. All right, I'll move on to my third pick here, and I'm going to switch away from the spreads and go to the over-unders, and as we both like, usually the unders, I'm going to go with the Bears and the Chargers under 40. I feel like everything about this game sets up pretty well for the unders. The Bears' offense is terrible, okay? And they basically completely abandoned the run against the Saints even when the game was close. Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery got five rushing attempts total, and I get that you don't attack the Saints on the ground, of course, but five rushing attempts is preposterous, and Matt Nagy has essentially admitted it. He got a lot of criticism. He basically said he's not an idiot. He agrees he's going to need to run the more uh, run the ball more here, and I think that he's going to. And that means, you know, you run the ball, as you mentioned, with the Jets and the Jaguars. You run the ball, the clock runs, drives are longer. It sets up pretty well for the under. Meanwhile, the Chargers are one of the slowest teams in the league. They're notorious for taking as much time off the play clock as possible. Their offense just looks completely out of sorts. A lot of it is because of their porous uh, offensive line that's not going well. The Bears still have a relatively strong defense. They're easier to run against right now without Akeem Hicks, of course, but the uh, the, uh, Chargers have not been able to get their run game going regardless. So I don't expect either team to be able to put up a ton of points. This strikes me. I mean, they're both desperate. That's the only thing that has me at all worried. I feel like when teams are desperate, you never know what's going to happen. They could get somehow creative. They could come up with something crazy and start putting up some points. But overall, this game to me, I realize 40 is a pretty low total, but I'm pretty much looking at this as a game that has very little chance of being a blowout. It's going to be close throughout. And I think both teams are going to try to just kind of win it towards the end of the game without putting up a crazy amount of points. So give me the Bears and the Chargers under 40. That's funny because when I was actually looking to make my picks for the show to, to let you know who I'm going to be on, that was the other under I was uh, deciding between either that one and then the Jets and the Jags. I ended up going with the Jets, Jets and the Jags, but that one was a close second. So I love that underplay. Like you said, the Bears offense absolutely stinks. 
I don't know what's going on with the Chargers right now. After week one, um, you may remember, I'm a, I'm a big Falcons fan. The Falcons are absolute trash this year. After week one, I said I'm no longer a Falcons fan. I decided to be a Chargers fan for this season. And then the Chargers are basically just the Falcons of the AFC. So uh. You know, we, we've got room over here on the Jets bandwagon because it sounds yeah. like that's kind of where you're leaning over there, right? Just keep yeah. going. To the, Dolphins are next. Then yeah. you're going to be great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, may as well cheer for the Redskins tonight. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, Chargers, they're all out of sorts. Bears are all out of sorts. I like that under. Yeah, I think uh, I feel pretty good about it. And I'll be honest, it's against the consensus. It's about 60-40 in favor of the over there. But for me, this is definitely one of the unders that I'm going to be playing. Sorry, it it is pretty rare that you'll see consensus most public, like consensus lean towards the under. It does happen, but most of the time, just because how we mentioned earlier, public loves to bet overs because they're more fun. So No, but these are the experts. Oh, the experts are saying that. Okay. Yes, the experts. I appreciate you trying to save me. It is a little interesting. I'm surprised because this struck me. This was not one I struggled with. It was the first one that jumped out at me when I looked at over-unders. I did, you know, the Jags and the uh, and the Jets were certainly under consideration, but this one jumped out at me. Now, look, to be fair, I took the under on the Bears-Saints uh, last week. That was not close, although there was a lot of fluky sort of touchdowns in that one. You know, you had the kick return for the touch and everything like that. So, you know, in the end, I feel pretty comfortable right now with us under so you know expert consensus whatever I'm, I'm good with that. i'm willing to go against them every once in a while i like it all right let's recap here uh and you like the jets and the jaguars under 41 the eagles plus one and a half against the bills and the broncos getting five and a half from the colts i'm going to take the bears and the chargers under 40 the panthers getting six from the niners and the chiefs getting three and a half from the packers all right, before we move on, I want to tell everybody about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Now, you know about BetMGM already. I mention them every single show, and in particular, the BetMGM Sports app, because it's the easiest and the best way to place a bet if you're in the state of New Jersey. Search for and download the BetMGM Sports app on your phone or visit BetMGM.com, sign up for an account, and you can place a bet right from your home. And look, there are a ton of great things about the BetMGM Sports app. You can track your bet in real time. You can cash out early to lock in some winnings or cut your losses. But the best part, in my opinion, is that they offer these insane boosted bets that are basically like free money. And right now, they've got a ridiculous one going on for new users. You bet $1, just a single dollar, on Aaron Rodgers to throw a touchdown pass against the Chiefs, and you win $100 if he does. So to make that clear, you're betting $1 on Aaron Rodgers to throw a touchdown pass. In the highly unlikely event that he does not, you lose a dollar. In the highly likely event that he does, you win $100. Here's all you need to do to essentially win free money. Download the BetMGM Sports app and sign up using our promo code HARRIS. That is it. If you can remember my last name, you basically can win $100. And my last name is easy. Like My kids know what it is by now, so hurry up and get started. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Ian, let's move on to It's a Trap, where we list the lines that we are avoiding. Go ahead and start us off. So I'm going to be avoiding the Cardinals and Saints game. Uh, I believe the line is at Saints 10.5, I believe. 
Yes. Um, it's. I mean, Drew Brees, it looks like he's going to play this week, and that just makes me a little bit nervous because of that. Um, I mean, who knows how healthy he is. It's a little bit confusing to me that he's even coming back this week because I think they're on bye next week. I don't know why he wouldn't just take the extra week of rest. But when any time a quarterback comes back, that kind of messes with the flow of the offense. I mean, the Saints were absolutely crushing it with Teddy Bridgewater, so who knows how kind of their offense is going to feel about Drew Brees coming back, which is weird to say considering Drew Brees is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, but it does just kind of mess with game plans. It messes with flows. So I, the Saints make me a little bit nervous, especially with, with the double-digit spread there. And then on the other side of things, I don't understand Kyler Murray. Um, I thought he was going to be a bust, and I still kind of think he is. Even when I watch him play, he makes throws that I don't think are the right throws to make. But he's won a couple games, and he's actually looked all like his stats are, are looking all right. So it's hard for me to completely fade him. Usually with rookie quarterbacks, it's hard to bet on them because one game they'll look unreal, the next game they'll look bad. And other other NFL teams that they're playing against, they usually figure out rookie quarterbacks a few games in the season. And if they can find holes or ways to exploit that rookie quarterback, then they'll take advantage of them. I don't know if there's one there with Kyler Murray, but him and it's the same with the Giants too. It's the reason why I'm staying away from the Giants uh, with Daniel Jones back and them rookie quarterbacks just make me a little bit nervous. I don't know what I'm going to get from them. So uh, game to avoid. It's a trap for me. It's going to be the Cardinals and Saints game. Yeah, I like it. First of all, the spread is just it's too much for me to feel comfortable with it, no matter which way I go, because I do think that the Saints win pretty handily. First of all, I'm putting it out there. I don't think Breeze plays. I get that everything right now is pointing to the fact that he's going to play. But, you know, in the end, you, as you said, there's just no reason for it. They should be able to win this game handily. Bridgewater has played well. Why not give him the bye to make sure he's good? I think in the end, that is what they're going to do. But I agree with Murray. I, it's like I don't know exactly what I'm going to see with Murray. I like a lot of what I've seen of him, but it's still very much of I like the way he looks early when every play is scripted for him. And then when he goes off a little bit because they've run out of like, okay, this is what you're going to do for your first 15 plays. It's a little bit like, okay, you're you're kind of all over the place. Some of it's good. Some of it's not good. I don't really know. The Saints have a very tough defense. But when you're over 10 on the line, it just, you know, it's something that makes me very uncomfortable. So this is certainly a game I'm not going to go near. So I like it with you. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say it is going to be a little bit interesting if Drew Brees is ruled out. I'm curious to see if that's going to move the line at all. The problem is I don't think he's going to be ruled out until like game day. I I think this is going to be a thing where it's going to be like, oh, we're going to make a call on game day. And then on Sunday morning, you're going to hear that he's out. But yeah, I mean, it opened at eight and a half. So I don't think it moved because of, I don't think it moved because of the money. I think it moved because of the fact that they got word that Breeze might be playing, and I think it's going to go. So if it comes out late, I my guess is it's going to drop below ten. And in that case, I, you know, I could probably lean towards the Saints once it got below the key number of ten. But either way, it's just not a game that I I think I really want to go against because I just don't have a good feel for it. If it gets back to eight and a half, I might take the Saints, but still, it's tough. Yeah, I agree. As for me, I'm going to be avoiding the Titans laying two and a half to the Bucks. Now, I'm going to change this up next week, but legitimately, the Titans and the Bucks are two teams that I say every week pretty much I cannot get a read on no matter what I do. And this matchup is particularly tough for me to read because both teams stop the run really, really well. So is Ryan Tannehill going to be able to involve his wide receivers this heavily again? Is James Winston going to benefit from the bye or is he going to throw five picks again? It's two teams that I don't understand on a good day. And this matchup in particular 
brings in the variables, the passing games, which I'm just completely not comfortable with, especially since I don't really know with what we saw with Tannehill, who looked, you know, much better, in my opinion, than Marcus Mariota. But still, you know, I've seen enough of him in his career to not think that he's a savior or anything. So generally speaking, when the Titans and the Bucks get involved, because the Bucks have basically, I, I pick the wrong version of the Bucks every single week. Every single week, I think it's going to be uh, Dr. Jekyll, it's Mr. Hyde and vice versa. So for me, I'm staying far away from any game pretty much at this point involving either of these two teams. The fact that they are playing each other makes it really easy for me. So I'm avoiding the Titans laying two and a half to the Bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, both teams, it seems like every week that you think they're going to lose, they come out and play really well and win. And then every week you think that they're going to win, they come out and play like crap and lose. So They both do. They both do that. Exactly. So yeah, it's tough. All right. So you're avoiding the Saints laying ten and a half to the Cardinals, and I'm avoiding the Titans laying two and a half to the Bucks. Before we get into our final segment, remember we've got a signed Odell Beckham Jr. helmet giveaway contest going on. You can get more details at bettingpros.com slash contest, but to be entered, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. All right, Ian, it is time for Top Prop, where we list our top player prop for the week. Go ahead. So I'm going to be looking at, now you talked about this game earlier, the Packers-Chiefs game, so my player prop for that game, which I actually love, is going to be Aaron Jones over 75 rushing yards. I got it at minus 112. So a couple points here. The first thing is the Chiefs are tied with the Browns for the second last in the league in opponent yards per carry, so teams are getting five yards per carry against them. Uh, And then even if Mahomes is out, the game plan uh, should be to keep the Chiefs off the field because that's how we saw both the Colts um, and the Texans actually beat the Chiefs was to just completely keep the Chiefs explosive offense off the field so what does that include that includes running the ball a lot so we can even prove that with numbers if we look at Marlon Mack's numbers uh, when the Colts beat the Chiefs he had 29 carries in that game which is his season high by pretty wide margin same goes for Carlos Hyde of the Texans he had a season high 26 carries uh, for the Texans when they beat the Chiefs so the blueprint has been out on how to beat the Chiefs it's to run the ball keep their offense off the field so Aaron Jones Jones, he, I think he's going to get a lot of carries. That over 75-yard mark, um, I think he's going to be able to hit that with ease. I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if he gets over 100 yards, to be completely honest, especially with that weak Chiefs run defense. So Aaron Jones, over 75 rushing yards. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I said that the Chiefs defense looks to be getting a little healthier, and they look to be improving. They were much better against the Broncos, of course. You know, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman did very little on the ground um, in that game. But before that, yeah, that's right. That was kind of the blueprint. Now, I don't necessarily know if a team has to stick to that blueprint right now because the whole point of basically being like, let's keep Patrick Mahomes off the field by running the ball and controlling the clock is not really in play here, considering Moore is going to be the starter almost certainly. But I don't really think that that matters that much. I mean, look, Rodgers accounted for six touchdowns last week. He threw five, I believe, and ran in for one. That's not what they want to do. I mean, that that's not the way the Packers really want to do this. They have a very strong defense, which is getting a little weaker, as I mentioned. But again, Matt Moore is not going to light this up. I mean, they're going to be a player or two to Tyreek Hill where he's going to break one or something like that. But in the end, they're not going to put up a crazy amount of points. I don't think this is one where the Packers are going to come out firing. I think they are going to lean on Jones and Williams to that extent. But I think, you know, as we have now seen some sanity restored, it's probably going to be Jones leading the way significantly over here. So yeah, I don't hate that at all. Jones over 75 rushing yards at minus 112 in particular. I'm good to go with that. Uh, I am, I'm going to go a little riskier. Okay. I'm going to go with Dante Johnson to go over 75 yards receiving at plus 190. Now, Johnson has played two full games here with Mason Rudolph. He's got 52 yards receiving against the 49ers. 
77 yards receiving against the Bengals. And now he gets the Dolphins. So I'm not going to lie to you, Ian. The Dolphins are bad. They allow 13.6 yards per catch. That is the most in the NFL. And I get it. There's certainly a risk here that the Steelers are just going to run all day, that it's just going to be James Conner all day or Benny Snell or whatever they want to do, because the Dolphins are probably not going to be able to put up a ton of points. Although to be fair, Ryan Fitzpatrick made that offense look semi-competent against a very tough Bills defense last weekend. So it's possible that the Dolphins put up at least a few points here that make the Steelers throw. But in the end, what I really think it is, is that I think the Steelers probably want to use this game to get Rudolph a little confidence as he returns back to the field from that massive hit that gave him a concussion. So I think this is exactly the spot to do it at pretty much two for one for your money, given the connection that Johnson has shown with Mason Rudolph, especially that one of those games was against the 49ers, a very tough defense. I'm going to take Johnson to go over 75 yards receiving at plus 190. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a sneaky little play. I actually kind of like that a lot, to be honest. I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on it. The Dolphins are the Dolphins. We know what we're going to get with them. They absolutely stink. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love that play. Wow, thanks. Boy, you are so excited about it. It makes me feel better than I don't hate it. Yeah, again, I mean, it was kind of, I, I was looking through the props and, you know, sometimes I like to go a little deeper. This is one that I think people really, you know, nobody's going to really be looking at playing at this one, but it, there does seem to be a pretty good connection between Rudolph and Johnson. So I, I do think this is something where, you know, even though they will run a lot, I think they're going to want to try to at least get Rudolph back comfortable, have him make some more throws rather than the gimmicky offense that we've kind of seen a little bit. Just to, you know, this is like essentially the softest matchup that you can have. So I think they're going to try to take advantage of that as best they can. All right, that is going to do it for today's show. Thanks again for joining me, Ian. Can you remind everyone where they can find more of you and your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Please uh, follow me on Twitter at IanMacOS. As I mentioned at the top of the show, my name is spelled a little weird. It's I-A-I-N-M-A-C-O-S on Twitter. So go ahead and give me a follow there. All right, great. Thanks again for coming on, and I hope we can do it at least once more before the NFL season ends. Absolutely. Sounds good, Dan. All right, I want to remind everyone briefly about BetMGM, where you can basically win $100 for nothing if Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown pass against the Chiefs if you sign up using our promo code Harris. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com to be entered into our Odell Beckham Jr. signed helmet giveaway. Good luck with your wagers this weekend. We'll be back breaking down the early lines for Week 9 on Monday.